0: Hello and welcome, I'm Sam Harris and it is my true honour and pleasure to host you here on the Growth Mindset Podcast. I talk to amazing individuals about how they achieve their dreams and break down the strategies it takes to lead explosive tech businesses to being paid to travel the world. I deep dive into topics such as Bitcoin and FinTech or just how to get stuff done with the goal of increasing our own collective wisdom and making us all happier, healthier and wealthier. Who doesn't want that? Today on the podcast, we have Sherman Lee. I knew him already as the founder of Rocco AI, but it turns out he's also the founder of Raven Protocol, a new blockchain cryptocurrency that's uh, hitting the market sometime this year maybe. Um, He writes for Forbes and Business Insider and Huffington Post, which is pretty cool. And he also founded goodaudience.com, a social media consultancy agency. So it's kind of funny because in the episode, he actually talks about the fact that he doesn't really like uh, telling people everything about himself or like asking for details on like what other people are and just sort of going with the flow and being like, oh, this person's cool. I'll be friends with this person versus going on like more official, oh, this person has... X and Y properties, so they should be my friend. And um, that's kind of how me and Sherman met, because I knew he was founder at AI, but we never really spoke about it, and we just kind of hung out, and now it turns out he does all these things. I never asked him about them, because uh, I didn't know he did them. So I would have gone more into uh, blockchain and how to write for people like Forbes in the podcast had I known about it in advance, but um, hadn't prepared for that, sorry. So we went more into uh, social media and life hacking and still covered lots of interesting stuff. So so don't be worried. The podcast is still awesome. But maybe there's a good reason for me to talk to him again about blockchain and writing because pretty cool that he's done all these things. So anyway, now that I've uh, explained (laughs) what's missing from the podcast, I hope you enjoy the rest of the podcast because it is actually really good. And he's a really cool guy. And I think you'll find him pretty funny. So instead of doing a normal sound check, I chose to ask Sherman what his most memorable life event was first, because that was very logical at the time. And it's actually quite a funny story. So do enjoy. Uh,
1: my My first memory ever in my whole life that I can ever think of is at a McDonald's in Oakland, California I was probably what, between three or four years old. I can't really picture this time, but it was in one of those play structures back when it was you know, still metal, mm. you know, that plastic stuff. So I climbed up into this hamburger and you can actually go inside of that hamburger. Uh, I stuck my head through the metal bars. Uh, I was stuck there. I couldn't get my head back out. Uh, at least not alone. Uh, I, I started crying. Uh, my parents came to save me, and I, I guess I actually ended up getting my head out for some reason. Uh, but what? But that pretty much sums up how I jump into things. I don't like when I think something's a really good idea for whatever reason, whether it's bad or good, or I just get excited about it. Uh, I'll just jump in there and I'll stick my head through in there and kind of figure things out. Um, I don't know if (laughs) if that was the actual cause of me being that way, or if it's just I've always been that way. That's the first memory I've I've ever had as a
0: human in this world. Cool. That's nice. (laughs) Sherman, welcome to the Growth Mindset Podcast. Where I interview the favorite people I meet on the planet, and <laughs> other people who I'm lucky enough to uh, somehow get on to do it. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. So, um, start off with, what is that's the wrong word? How do you introduce yourself to people at a dinner party? Okay, that's
1: well. First, um, I I'm an introvert, so I, I I'm probably the worst person to I don't introduce myself. Uh, Probably all yeah. just I, your wife I,
0: introduces you. <laughs>
1: I, I'm Sherman, um, and that's that's pretty much it. You know, most people say like uh, things like, "Oh, okay, w- well, what do, what do you do?" And I'm actually not curious. I, I don't like that as a, a starting point. But it feels like you're just uh, measuring up against each other, mm. at least in, on, on the, when you first meet someone, which I think is kind of wrong. Because I I love connecting with people at all different levels so it, it could be um, some random guy on the street who's collecting dollar bills or coins or whatever to fund his travels and i, I have absolutely um, no judgment towards that so i'm more interested in uh connecting along those personal levels yeah of, like okay cool what what are you interested in you, you you like um i don't know hiking in the mountains of hong kong what are your favorite trails and those kinds of things and those that's like when you reach into those conversations and you have those kind of similar interests i, I feel like that's a better time to uh, dive deeper into wow. who that person is in terms of uh, where do you work in hong kong you know,
0: where, you know those kinds of things
1: yeah that's my uh, approach um yeah <laughs>
0: cool yeah i definitely i remember first sort of thought about it when i think i got to university and like in the first week you had the same conversation with so many people i was just like i'm not even telling anyone like which course i'm doing or what and just sort of just <laughs> I just started ignoring people when they're talking to me and i basically i could sit the next to someone and like a lecture and just make jokes about something that was going on i'm like yeah this bus is cool yeah and just didn't really care where they're from or what because i just knew i wouldn't remember anyway yeah and um yeah but on that note uh hopefully people will remember, or for the rest of the podcast, at least have the context. What is your business and what is your role?
1: Uh, I'm one of the co-founders of a company called Rocco, and it is an AI-powered social media marketer that helps you post on things like Twitter and hmm. Facebook. So what we want to do is be able to create unique content for a brand. Uh, much better than a human can. And at the stage we're at right now, it's about collecting all the data so that we can train machine learning models to fulfill that vision. Uh, About 300 clients use us for uh, curating content to post on their social media channels today. Uh, That's the biggest value we provide as we build out the AI and the machine learning models.
0: Okay, cool. So is that completely automated in like you give it your Facebook, your Twitter, and it just posts for you? Or is it, because I've only recently seen the Slack integration, like it just tells you things on Slack, and then if you like it, you can post it yourself.
1: Right. So it's it's not completely automated, although people have asked us for that, to just automatically let the content loose on all these channels. But right now, we, we follow a, an, a, an approval process. So, mm. Rocco will suggest that, that content and ask a human if they would actually uh, want to post that on their Twitter or want to post that on, on Facebook. Uh, and that's, we purposely do that because. Uh, we want to protect the, the brand, and yeah. we also want to uh, learn from whether or not they choose a specific content to post. Yeah.
0: Okay. Have you thought about employing someone within Rocco to like verify things so that you can then just sort of more quickly let people just post straight away? By, by, by ver- it verifying many. things, do you mean... No. That it doesn't have swear words in for this brand or it's as in having someone that kind of takes semi-ownership of what the brand voice is of different companies and Uh, just uh, checking, so like, so it's not, so it's in blending machine and man to deliver the experience that a rocket client has.
1: Right, right. So those are things we we definitely have thought about. So I, Mm. I came from a social media agency called Good Audience and the, Essentially, what we did was run social media marketing campaigns for brands. And I think we've worked with over 3,000 clients uh, doing that. Um, So with Rocco, we wanted to take the absolute uh, 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 extreme approach on the other end where a machine will do the majority of the work. And so we, we see it as a, like um, these things as two ends of the spectrum where um, at some point in the world we don't know when the, the social media agencies, the human create humans creating all the, the social media content, uh, maybe even the interns, uh, they will be replaced. But as we approach that actual future, uh, we want the, the humans behind the brand uh, to use a tool like Rocco to augment their their workforce. So we would rather have the humans on that side um, approving things rather than us hiring humans to do some of that work, which would um, very quickly blend into being a, a social media agency again.
0: Mm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you said your role is co-founder. Who is your other co-founder?
1: My co-founder is shannon and she's also my wife
0: nice um how long had you known her before you guys started this mm, about seven years okay were you already married when you started yeah we
1: were already married when we started rock up Cool. how
0: was that in terms of a strain in the relationship
1: well uh, it'll be two a.m. and she can see me on Facebook, um, and she she'll have thing, comments like. Hey, that that doesn't look like code. Mm. So it's it's good. It, it's in a sense it, it it's good. And mm. that the bad is that um, you know we're always working. Yeah. Um, the good part is we get to spend a lot of time together because we're working on this project. Mm. Whereas uh, in in a lot of relationships, uh, you know, especially if you're in a startup, the, the time the time you spend together is is on the low side.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's the hard one. Yeah, it's interesting. There you, you kind of do want to spend as much time as you can with your partner. Yeah. And it can be really hard when you're doing startups. They like share moments and enjoy it. And it's also hard to get people to understand what it is you're doing all day sometimes. And then, like, if you go traveling, it's hard to really tell people exactly what it's like and to ever get them to understand your inside jokes totally. other than the person you travel with. And but yeah, it's kind of the same for business. Like my mum loves to hear what I get up to, but she still doesn't really know exactly And Yeah. So that's cool. <laughs> then one day I'll try starting a business with my wife, perhaps. But then <laughs> my parents actually they tried doing one together, they find it really difficult and we're like, You know what? I love you. And because of that, I'm not gonna work with you because I'm not cool. Yeah. So, there, there's, 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 has there been any major conflicts because of working together? Or you think
1: Oh yeah, sure, we we get into disagreements like uh, any healthy co-founder relationship yeah. is to getting into those debates so there's often times where she feels very strongly about a direction or a vision mm. and and you know so I, I come from an engineering background so I, I'm sometimes a, a little bit more realistic about what can be completed um, the time it takes um, mm. can we take a shortcut and Yeah, and and for the most part, uh, when she sticks to her guns, she ends up being right. Uh, So it'll be (laughs) things like, okay, we shouldn't release this to the the public yet because it'll um, hurt our our brand. Like, what if they have a bad experience about this? And so when she pushes me in in that respect, I go back, you know, it may take an hour or two hours and kind of think about it and come up with a, a different solution that
0: kind of meets both of our objectives. Okay, cool. do you feel like one of you wears the pants more in the business and one more at home or do you kind of is it always quite even everywhere so she definitely
1: makes the majority of decisions around the home so you know, family life, right? Yeah, I think the you know most moms are the the CEOs of uh, home, mm-hmm. <laughs> which uh, which is which I think is an extremely extremely hard job, especially with children, mm. and it, it is also a very thankless job because. Um, you know, talk to, to any mom there, you know. you
0: Yeah, then kids just kind of expect it because they don't know anything else. It's always there. You can't, you do not go out of your way to thank your mom for doing, for being mom because they're already mom. So yeah, you should thank them all. <laughs> it's, it's no else True. Else. I, I definitely need.
1: Thank you, Shannon.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Big shout out there. Whoop, whoop. Cool. Um, And so you do more of the decisions on the business or it's just more equal there?
1: It's definitely more equal on that side. I do a lot of the, the driving forward, thinking of new ideas, thinking of new partnerships. I'm thinking a bit further into the the future, and she's the one who you know, brings me back down into the world with being realistic. And from there, we 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 come to a good
0: compromise for both things that is
1: good for the future, but also is possible in the short term and delivering value for our clients.
0: So. You now have about 300 customers. How did you scale up? How did you find your first customers?
1: Well, well first I, I would say, you know we, we didn't do a ton of work in uh, trying to, to get customers because what we want to do is work with the early adopters. Mm. Um, people who understand that um, AI and machine learning, it, it takes time to uh, train and learn from that. And, and they're willing to work with us closely to, to get to that vision um, but there's there's a few ways where we we got our initial customers it's um, you know through our network uh, you know just know like just people uh, uh, that you know, run different companies who are willing to try our product out um, and we also do content marketing uh, we talk to people on things like Twitter um, uh, I'm a contributor to things like uh Huffington Post or these kinds of outlets, it's it's easy just to kind of uh, get a quick uh, outreach out and to get mm. those customers. We, we've done like crazy things where it's like growth hacks too. If we want to just like um, get a quick, uh, you know, 10 people to try something new out, um, you can easily yeah. just hop on like AngelList and um, you know, like like for example, when we were in the Zeroth Accelerator, I had this idea where uh, I just wanted to get um, a few hundred or so followers for the or AngelList profile. I don't know for what good reason. Well, actually, I do know the reason. the The Zeroth batch had a page on AngelList. And there was a ranking for every single company. Yeah. I just wanted to be on the top of that list. That was the only nice. reason. <laughs> uh, just, just for yeah. fun.
0: So what a I d- really useful metric for your business there. Not not a vanity metric. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, totally just stroking the, the ego. Yeah. Um, cool. So what I did was uh, just start following people on AngelList and sending them a message and say, hey, I wanna give you this um, account to Rocco. If you'll just follow our page, I I would really appreciate the support. And so there was actually two benefits to that. Uh, We quickly Mm. rose um, to the the, the top of the the list uh, on AngelList. Uh, We're number one um, for for absolutely no reason other than people were willing to follow that page. The second benefit was we actually got feedback from people who tried out Rocco. Uh, so all, all unintentionally cool
0: if they really find just putting like a little extra step into social media makes a big difference like talking to people but like every, anytime someone asks me on LinkedIn I always reply hi thanks for adding me why have you added me and so back <laughs> with like really get like oh I just saw your profile and I really wanted to talk to you about this and like, like half of them probably make up bullshit but like they come up with a reason to be talking to me, and at least it becomes a contact that actually I can do something with. I just have like a bunch of random people that added me that it's pointless. And yeah, uh, do, you, do you use any um, bots for like growing your following? Or?
1: For my personal accounts, I, I don't use any of those things currently. Um, you know, obviously, I've played with all that stuff in the past. When, you know, when you as a growth marketer, so. I'll give you some context, actually. The, I, I've been, um, first, the, the first company that I've ever started is um, uh, it's called Good Audience that, that turned into a social media agency. We actually started off as a Twitter spam bot, um, and uh, <laughs> oh. what, what we did was automatically favorite tweets, uh, when favoriting used to be called favoriting, and uh, now it's called likes, uh, yeah. <laughs> um So we automatically favorited tweets in the hopes that people would follow you back. And back in, I think it was 2013, that worked extremely, extremely well. So Mm. brands would use us and they would get tons and tons of followers. And we even got funded by Techstars with this piece of software. Yeah. Um, But what ended up happening was we got shut down uh, by Twitter, maybe four, or four or five different times, uh, <laughs> our, our customers got quite, quite upset. You know, there would be a period of one to two weeks where absolutely nothing was working until um, Twitter restored our API access, mm. and um, you know, it, we, we we tried to kind of just hide from them and it, uh, four or five times, and they they kept on banning us. You know and as we got more customers onto this thing yeah uh, more people are the faster we would just get banned again because you know we we're making more api requests yeah. um and then uh, we we made a hard choice from there it was like do we continue being this underground tool and, and try to uh, avoid being twitter uh, avoid being um, caught yeah. by twitter or do we create a legitimate business that could be beneficial um, to To them and work closer to them. And so we ended up uh, following their terms of services.
0: Okay. But still doing similar style sort of... Do- growth hacks of like liking people and things or
1: yeah that was the the first step um you we would present them a a list of people that they could potentially follow or we would build them a list of all these different tweets of conversations people were having uh, based on keywords or topics and then it was up to the user to perform that action so it was no longer automated and the struggle there was, you know, we were up against uh, all these other tools like follower walk or yeah. audience. Um, and the, the, the major struggle was, um, you know, from our customers was, OK, this is cool. I could use you or these other tools. Um, but, you know, you guys actually, you know, you, you, you gave us a lot of uh, social media strategy on what to actually do, do and how to use these tools. So, why don't you actually just do the work for us? Yeah. And initially, we were kind of against that. Like, you know, like no, 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 just keep using our tool. Why would we do this work for you? And mm-hmm. they said, no, "No, no, no. You you don't understand. Like, we're willing to pay you more money. We just want your expertise." So, we went down this path of being an on-demand service for social media marketing. Um, uh, the clients started wanting to wanting us to do a bit more stuff, and over the years, uh, we, we ended up just being in, uh, an agency. Mm. Um, so we, we never became a, a unicorn or anything like that. Uh, we were able to get more clients uh, linearly, um, and uh, we worked with brands like KettleBrand Brand Chips homeaway.com yeah san francisco federal reserve bank and um, these these really cool brands that wanted to get social media
0: done Mm. okay and so you decided that was a terrible idea and gave it all up
1: no it's still running to this day all right yeah but um i would say intellectually i I don't find you know running an agency challenging Mm. And along the way, um, you know, I, I started um, digging into uh, machine learning and artificial intelligence. My, my background actually was doing five years of machine learning at Yahoo on the the content platform. Oh, wow. um, I, I scaled it. I helped them scale it from zero to six hundred million users. And I just always had this intellectual curiosity of how to solve problems. Mm. And um, in I think it was, yeah, in 2016, um, Tack Lowe, who is the the managing director of ZRoth.ai, um, and he was also one of the investors in Good Audience through, through Techstars. He calls me and he says, hey, I'm starting this thing in um, Asia to do an, an, a machine learning and artificial intelligence accelerator. Um, you know, I, I think that you, you could probably do something around social media. And I was like, "Wow, what what is in in Hong Kong, and what what is in Asia? You sound kind of just crazy right now. Mm-hmm. This sounds like a, a bit of a pipe dream." So what ended up happening was, um, you know, he every week he ended up calling me. Um, he ended up calling me again, um, you yeah. know, on Facebook, whatever, just pinging me like, "Hey, we're actually making progress here, and you know, these are the different investors who said they're willing to commit to this fund, um, and it, it's you know, he has all these different mentors and these different venture partners." Um, you know, they're from Skype and, uh, the, you know, like the the actual founders of Skype and, you know, all these crazy things like, wow, you've actually built up a um, like a team of people who could really make um, building out this accelerator happen. And, um, and so that's how I ended up in Hong Kong. I, I was in San Francisco before. Um, funny story, actually. I didn't even realize that you did not have to move to Hong Kong for the accelerator. Oh my God. Um, oh. So we, oh, we, mate. we ended up just packing up all of our things, uh, renting out our, our home and
0: moving to Hong Kong. That's awesome. mate. We're glad yeah. you did it. Yeah, it was a really fun journey. Oh, that's good. Yeah you got like a good flat here. It seems like life is fun. So you're happy you moved to Hong Kong then? Yeah, for sure. Cool. Anyway, so you spoke a bit about entrepreneurialism and doing things that kind of you're more passionate about. So what would you say is your um, your big drive? Like what motivates you?
1: Well, so there's the, the first thing that really motivates me is uh, being able to uh, provide for my family. I, I think that's the, the most important thing. And, and so making sure that they, they're taken care of is obviously a very easy motivator. Uh, the second one is purely on an intellectual basis. Is um, what, so I'm one of those people that were sitting on the internet in Yahoo in 1995 and uh, when there wasn't really much to do except uh, log onto this directory and start browsing web pages. But I was there doing that for hours on end, um, clogging up the telephone line on uh, something ridiculous like a 14.4K modem. Um, My my mom's parents, or or, sorry, my parents their friends would keep trying to call. And it was so bad that uh, they had to get me a pager and give out that phone number. So that if one of my, my parents' friends wanted to reach them, they would just page me. Uh, so I would get off the mm. internet.
0: I totally forgot that you had to like <laughs> swap the internet. That was the thing where you still have to like turn the internet off so we could phone my nan and things. Man, would I have completely wiped that from my memory until now. That's cool. Uh, <laughs> Thanks. Uh, anyway, carry on. <laughs> so I was there building websites,
1: learning HTML. Uh, you know, on Angel Fire or Geo Cities, way, way back in the day, and being part of all these different web rings. So that the intellectual curiosity of just always living in, in that future and, and knowing that there's something there that the mass hasn't really adopted yet is what really excites me.
0: And, and being able to help shape that future is really cool. Then, to so Xeroth, how? What was it about Xeroth that made the whole startup thing good? Like what did Xeroth give you that you couldn't have got from just doing it yourself?
1: The The key thing is the, the people that is involved in the community and things like uh, the absolute experts in artificial intelligence. Being willing to sit down with you for a coffee for 30 minutes or an hour and talking to you about the specific problems that you're facing. I think that that, that is the, the biggest value that they provide. and And these are people that... Um, who have built really big successful companies? Um, you know, some of their net worth may be a billion dollars or hundreds of million dollars or whatever it is. And what what's really cool is they're they're willing to give their time to you as you know either mentors or venture partners and help you solve a problem. And uh, and that's really helpful because it feels like you know they're on your team and they've been in that situation before and they're willing to either help you figure it out or introduce you to someone else in their network that can help you shortcut a problem. And that's really cool because working by yourself on a problem, banging your head against the wall is
0: really hard. So did you ever do any startups by yourself or have you always had co-founders?
1: I've never done a startup by myself um i mean i guess i, I i've tried starting projects and yeah. things like that and um, that you know never panned out uh, you know i first i would first start by myself and what i what i realized pretty quickly is that um e- either i'm smart enough just to know that um, i can't do it alone or yeah. i just enjoy working with other people yeah um, It it just makes things a lot easier, I think, because someone else is better than you at something. And it's good to have that help.
0: What do you think will be the main changes in the next five years in social media?
1: So... One thing I, I find really interesting right now is a social network called Steemit, and it's it's a, a it's a decentralized social network, and so the people that are posting on this platform, their uh, their the reward isn't in uh, the number of likes they get or the number of comments or the number of engagements, Uh, the reward is an actual monetary value. Um, and people can give them that value by upvoting a piece of content that they, they've created and uh, uploaded onto their platform. With social media platforms like Facebook, uh, Instagram, and Twitter today, while they're, they're all really good, I, I, I probably owe a lot of my personal brand to Twitter in itself. Um, but they by, by being a centralized platform, they actually own the, the full control of who gets to see the actual content. And basically, if you're a brand on Facebook, if you don't put any money into their advertising platform, the, the majority of your content on your Facebook business page will not be seen by your... Followers, uh, Mm. which is problematic.
0: Okay, do you think Steam is going to be like the next wave or something like that?
1: I I think there's room for more social media platforms Um, because because right now, what what uh, if you think back uh, uh, about being a marketer? It's all about finding ways to um, tell your story to the world and cutting through that noise mm-hmm. and so this is really great for very large corporations and brands who have Uh, millions and millions of dollars to deploy onto the facebook advertising platform yeah but i'm an entrepreneur and uh i'm a very big fan of startups and all my friends are basically founders they don't have those million dollar budgets so i believe in a a much more fair system you know it doesn't even have to be fair right they figure out growth hacks of how to get around existing systems to make sure that they're getting their message across. So I think there's room for other platforms to come into this world where the the community has a huge say of what gets to be seen. Reddit is a good example of this. It's the community deciding uh, what to upvote. Um, they're deciding who, who gets to see what. But with Facebook, you don't really get to decide, right? I mean, you know, your initial followers, uh, you know, they can like it and whatnot, and it helps uh, get, get that content in front of more people. But I have a suspicion that the, the Facebook advertising platform is designed for you to spend more money, not yeah. save money.
0: Sure. So how do you currently go about um, educating new users and getting people to use you? As a company, like do you do Facebook marketing or?
1: Yeah, I mean, we do Facebook, we do Twitter, uh, but my, my like my favorite way of educating someone is having that one-on-one. Conversation mm. with them, and this is all part of uh, you know, developing an onboarding experience. You can obviously scale this, but uh, there's nothing better than having a human touch to kind of show how to use your product and, and educate them on how to actually use it. And you know, even if it's just over email, uh, you you give them exact uh, commands to type or exactly mm. steps to to use a product and it it builds that relationship with them where they kind of trust you and i think this is really important as a a young startup because they have a lot of options in the world of uh, what they could potentially use there's tons Mm -hmm. of other social media tools um which could you know which they could potentially use but if you actually help guide them and you take the time to do that as a human they're they, they they highly highly appreciate that. Um, at least that's the the feedback that I, I've been given
0: from Ari. Why did you choose to learn? Um, did, what what did you study? I studied computer science, okay. and that was from your history of hacking away as a kid, yeah, just being like, this is so cool.
1: Um, ca- kind of. Uh, I've been on a computer since I was probably. Uh, four four years old or so wow. um i i was lucky enough where my parents um, got us an apple 2e uh, nice. and I, I would just sit there all day sticking in these different floppy disks yeah. and looking at this screen that was just all green pixels mm. uh, but i found that absolutely fascinating but i used that computer for a long time um, and then I got a, a Macintosh at some point and connected a modem to it um, and, and was on the internet, uh, Yahoo and AOL and all these things. But uh, initially, when I went to college, I didn't have an intention to, to major in computer science. I just started, I, I was just kind of exploring. My parents actually wanted me to do. Uh, accounting or business or something like that you know like a, a proper good student who's who was who's was, you know, really good at math um, yeah. but um, I, I took my first programming class and there was a, a very deep enjoyment of um, making a piece of program just kind of work and run um, I think yeah. one, one of my, my favorite classes was uh, actually uh, assembly I think I think it was a you know, it was an assembly language um I was just getting into like the real guts of things and moving these addresses around uh, doing these jumps and going to a specific part of a program uh, was kind of cool to me mm. and so that's how I decided to to major in computer science at uh, UC Berkeley
0: okay cool um then along the way, when have you had anything that you were told like you wouldn't be able to do or that you'd be bad at and you sort of felt like it was hard, but you kind of used some of the growth mindset kind of philosophy and was like, I'm going to make myself do this or.
1: Yeah. Good. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I would say as an introverted engineer, um, starting my first company, I was absolutely terrible at selling something. Mm. Um I was, yeah, people, we were selling a SaaS product. People would say, hey, do you have some time to hop on a call and tell me a little bit more about what you do? And, uh, you know, before these phone calls, my hands would sweat. I'd be really (laughs) nervous. I had no idea what to say. And i had no idea how to to sell anything how to sell this yeah. product I you know when they asked me questions of what you do i you know i didn't really know how to, to describe it very clearly or succinctly mm-hmm. um, or i didn't even know how to ask them to actually put in their credit card i was very afraid yeah um, so we ended up just offering the product for free for the, the longest time and what actually pushed me to, uh, you, know, you know, you're know, you talking about the growth mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I actually had a, a very big forcing function was if I didn't figure out how to sell this product, we would be out of cash and I would have to get a job. And, and coming from uh, probably about six years after college in the corporate world, uh, I was not ready to, I had no desire to go get a job, and uh, I I learned how to sell a product. Uh, I reached out to people who were, uh, you know, VP of sales at different Mm. SaaS companies, uh, who were people who were doing B2B. And I just asked them like, hey, um, I have no idea. I don't know what I'm doing in sales. I have no idea, you know, like how I should be speaking to people. I have no idea how to build a pipeline. And to, to my surprise, they were actually very willing to help. And one of the, the first guys that was willing to help me, it's pretty funny how I met him. Uh, his name is Taft Love. And he was, I believe, either an account executive or something like that at uh, Lead Genius and this was a company that pretty much just uh, sells leads to you Uh, i think they were a a y combinator company and um, it it was really funny how i met him i got an outbound well first i got an email from him um and it said thing something like hey we're connected uh, through this mutual thing on linkedin Uh, i work for a company called lean genius and we could help you uh find more clients or whatnot I was like yeah that actually sounds like something that I, I do need help with and so I replied to the email and he's like yeah let's let's meet for lunch I'll, I'll take you out to lunch so you know their office is in Berkeley California so I, I show up to this uh, I think it was a, a Brazilian place and you know I talked to him and he's like so you know I actually had no idea you existed until you replied to my email and that kind of just blew me away. I was like, what? What do you mean? He's like, yeah, all that stuff was automated. I'm like, what do you mean it was automated? He's like, oh, well, um, we scrape the internet for companies and contacts. We get their email address. We set up all these automated campaigns. Um, and then we just hit play and these emails automatically get sent out. And I don't really know of anyone until they the reply. I'm like... Holy shit! That is fucking amazing. I, I didn't yeah. know that is is possible. Um, he's like, yeah, well, okay. So it sounds like you're not a really a, a good fit for Lead Genius today, um, but I'll help you set up your email campaigns and and I'll help you figure out how to sell this stuff. I was like, wow, that is that would be incredibly helpful. So. What he did was, um, you know, he created this Google Doc with an action plan, and he gave me my first set of emails. I think it was probably uh, a list of 500 or so realtors in Austin and Dallas. He's like, yeah, have fun with it. Um, and he even helped me develop my first campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, he told me the tools to use. We uploaded it on this tool called Quick Mail, and uh, I hit play on it. And what do you know, these realtors actually responded to me and said, yeah, I'm interested in your social media services. And so I would start having phone calls with them. Um, I had absolutely no idea what I was doing, but I, I had I had hope in learning how to do this. Yeah. And I, I would go back to Taff and say like, uh, yeah, how, how, what would you say in a phone call? Um, I have no idea what to do with this. He's like, well, the first thing is, um, you know, don't try to just sell them on something actually show them that you can provide some sort of value and that you have a a solution to an actual existing problem that they have so and these conversations was just an exploration of um, you know how they were approaching social media and figuring out if we, we were even a, a good fit for them um and and, and that is how i learned sales It's just jumping into it without having any knowledge and being absolutely terrified and afraid of speaking to a prospect on the phone Oh,
0: nice that's fun um yeah that's something i actually kind of had some similar issues with when i first started trying to like make sales and things and i was i terrified of telephones when i was younger yeah when i first started yeah Nice. Thanks. Um, and do you have any lessons that you learned like the hard way, that something that you just had to get wrong and kind of anything that you sort of screwed up majorly and, and now you're a much wiser and better person for?
1: Mm, uh, at, a, at a high level, it, it's I used to think that um, I would be able to learn everything on my own, uh, whether it's doing sales or doing marketing or coding this piece of thing. Uh, I thought I could do it all. But what I realized was uh, it's much easier if you can actually work with uh, another human on that problem because they already have this specific set of knowledge on how to approach something in their head, and they can help you quickly shortcut that and help you uh, make progress. And so the sales example was, was one of those. Initially, I, I tried to learn sales on my own, but like it was you know, making tons of mistakes. Um, yeah. Okay. Do you have any favorite books? I read a lot of the, the startups and the entrepreneurial books uh, but I haven't made a lot of time to s- sit there and read these things um, so what I've actually been spending a lot of time doing is listening to podcasts and I think just uh, I could sit on the bus and on, the, on like on my way home or I can sit on the train and I can just kind of zone out and listen to this piece of podcast um, and learn a, a very valuable lesson. And um, yeah, I've listened to a lot of uh, audio books as well, which is kind of the same. One of one of my favorite books was uh, Founders at Work. I, mm. I really enjoyed as a book, because I, I, I lived in the uh, internet in, in 95, 96, and I went through some of these stories of how incredibly hard it was for these founders to actually make it which is i guess inspirational in a sense um, you know just uh, when i'm going through some sort of rough time just knowing that other people had a rough
0: time was really helpful if you could wake up tomorrow having gained one ability what would it be
1: what i've really admire from really great entrepreneurs is their ability to tell um, a really interesting story and they've used this power in many different ways it's in fundraising it's in recruiting their team it's in sales and like for some weird reason they have this ability uh, through storytelling to make a lot of stuff happen when they have absolutely or even close to to nothing um, so it, it might be recruiting your initial founding team for and they're, they're willing to go months on end with no salary or anything like that. Um, it may be able to be able to re, uh, raise millions of dollars uh, with no product, no code and all purely on vision. Uh, I think that's a, an extraordinary uh, ability because by by being able to tell that story of um, where you can get to in two or three years uh, you get buy-in in the initial days to to actually make that happen The key thing is they're they're able to execute against that as well which I find incredibly impressive as a, a very logical engineer I, I find it kind of hard Hard for me to, to do that because technic like in terms of technology, I, I can see what's what's going to be possible in the next three months, and so I I would say I kind of lack that ability to um, tell that story uh, of what can happen and and building this uh, community uh, around that, and, and I, I find it really interesting because. Uh, the people that can do that they, they make a lot of stuff happen they build a lot of momentum in a very short amount of time um, and then when they're able to do that um, everyone wants to to pile in right because they want to be part of something successful you know, in the early days and having that social proof um, it really helps
0: leapfrog that Okay, i love it cool all right cool. thanks man yeah. thanks so much for making the time and yeah. then Sorry, it took like two hours before we even started. Oh,
1: thank you. That was fun. It felt like a conversation.
0: Yeah, well, it it was a conversation, I guess. Yeah, true that, true that. Cool. Podcast over. And so here ends the interview part of the show. And thanks a lot to Sherman for sharing such a wealth of uh, good information and generally being a nice guy. And now we move on to my top tips. So, number one. Uh, I forgot what my top tips are. Oh yeah. Number one, someone else is better than you at something. So it's good to have people around to share the effort with, and you're probably not the best at doing anything. And there's always someone that's better than you. So when you're starting a business, try and find a founder or someone to help you on the things that you're bad at. And when you're trying to grow a business, don't try and take ownership of every single little thing because that's just silly number two sink or swim putting yourself in a difficult situation really brings the best out in you like not having any money and uh, being afraid of how to put food on the table made chairman actually deal with his demons and learn how to become a good salesman he was just completely scared of it beforehand so just put yourself out there and you'll improve so much faster than if you always play it safe number three mums are awesome uh they have lots of shit to deal with thank them or (laughs) give them cards and flowers and things and make sure they know that they're being appreciated. And now on to books. Sherman recommends Founders at Work, Stories of Startups Early Days by Jessica Livingston. Uh, this looks like a really interesting read. It's basically um, a summary of loads of really interesting founders and the story behind how they started their business. So people like Steve Wozniak at Apple and founder of Flickr, founder of like Lotus Cars, PayPal, Hotmail, and each chapter is just a new person and it's just like lots of small interesting stories. So yeah, I'm sure you will all enjoy that. You've listened to an episode of the Growth Mindset Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe on your preferred app and give me a good rating. If you are unable to give good feedback right now, try sharing the show with a friend who will, or just wait for the show to improve. If you have any ideas for the show or you just want to reach out, I'd love to talk to you on Twitter. I am at Sam Harris Tweets or Instagram Sam Jam Snaps show notes along with links to everything that we discuss are available at growthmindsetpodcast.com along with information on how to get involved and blog posts on cool things that you should be aware of thanks so much for listening and i hope you enjoy your next podcast